Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Investors are increasingly looking for alternative ways to manage their investment portfolios, especially amid the uncertainty in the current global financial markets. In fact, there is a way now for retail investors to consider investing in private markets and gain access to institutional-grade curated investment opportunities instead of just investing in stocks, bonds, and REITs. So, how can we? Retail investors tap into private markets. Well, joining us on the phone today to tell us more is Rachel Chia, who's the acting CEO of Estax. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. Um, uh, it's my pleasure to join you on this program. It's my pleasure to have you on. So, just to start, how would you, you know, describe the current state of private markets at the moment compared to public markets? I think just to set the scene, when we refer to pub- private markets, we're mm-hmm. referring to private credit, private equity, private funds, and alternative assets. Mm-hmm. Basically, all the investment opportunities which are not listed on the public exchanges, mm-hmm. like uh, the stock exchanges. So, and um, private markets have always been a really credible alternative and addition to public markets in anyone's uh, portfolio construction, mm-hmm. and especially in light of where we are right now at the macro level with inflationary pressures, the pace at which rates continue to rise, kind of the fears of U.S.-European recession. I think private markets still remain a very thematic and useful inclusion in the construction of like well-rounded investment portfolios. Mm. I think I just want to kind of raise two um, points about uh, private markets as well. So private markets, uh, the size and growth of private markets, so private markets have been growing exponentially while Mm -hmm. public markets are shrinking. And that's been quite interesting because we are seeing private markets going at about two times the pace of public markets. Mm-hmm. And in addition, we are also seeing a contraction of public markets, where there's actually been an increase of take private transactions. Mm-hmm. So just last year alone, we saw twen- uh, $250 billion US worth of public to private transactions. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of continuing in the theme of a lot of take private transactions. Mm-hmm. I think the other kind of, uh, thing to note about public versus private is that it's the kind of reactionary um, behavior in these two markets and how they're different. Mm -hmm. Um, And private markets are underpinned by longer-term holds. So you don't really see the reactionary knee-jerk sell-offs affecting asset values Mm -hmm. like you do in public markets. And of course, no market is immune to the macro conditions. But in general, we still see data that private uh, investments in private markets outperforming the public markets, especially in an environment right now that we're not seeing the double-digit public market growth that mm. we saw in previous years. Okay, okay. And given the current conditions of the markets, are public or are private markets performing better than public markets? So we are seeing the private markets perform better than the public markets. Mm, okay, okay. So what type of uh, unique opportunities can investors look out for in private markets? So I think what we can see in the private markets now is that there's going to be a growth of products that mm-hmm. will be available to investors. I think one of the main um, issues that we, uh, investors had in the past to private markets was the issue of access. So traditionally, there's been a gross mismatch of capital and opportunities and information about mm-hmm. private market investments for investors at large. And they traditionally have been the playground only of the institutional investors, the large family offices, and in perhaps the recent years, like some distribution has been done through private banks. Mm-hmm. But this 
these opportunities have remained exclusively the domain of like the larger players, uh, simply because of the high entry point and the kind of lack of information and access uh, to data for these sorts of private investments, uh, private market investments. Mm. But uh, we see that it's probably poised to change as um, platforms like ours uh, emerge mm-hmm. to kind of offer an alternative access point to these private and alternative investment spaces. So we're seeing platforms like ours emerge and not just offering the access point, but also more data about the private and private and alternative investments that are available. So I think this enriches the kind of investing community at large because then there's a wider range of products with better data and better information so that investors can make a more reasoned and informed decisions about their investment portfolios. Okay, okay. So why are alternative assets, you know, gaining mindshare and traction amongst investors these days? Um, I think one of the big things is really the issues of access and data is slowly being attrition, right? Mm-hmm. So platforms like ours and also issuers themselves have realized that they want to increase the availability of these private investments to a larger pool of investors. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we are now seeing the growth of fractional fractional investing platforms, which allow more access into these sorts of private uh, private market investments mm-hmm. and also there's more availability of data and as there's more data and more information about these sorts of investments I guess it's getting more mindshare as well because more people are aware of them and they have more tools at hand to be able to look at entering the investments like that. Okay, okay. And why do investors then prefer to invest in private markets? Well, it probably comes down to two things, returns mm-hmm. and the resilience of their portfolios. Okay. At the end of the day, why do investors invest in anything? It's because <laughs> they probably are going to get returns. Yeah. And you know, we have seen the data that private market investments will outperform the public markets, mm-hmm. especially in this environment. Um, and also uh, the, the fact that real-world assets uh, mm-hmm. such as real estate and art and other real-world assets are still viewed as a hedge to inflationary pressures with less correlation to some of the other macro uh, conditions. Mm-hmm. So people are seeing um, alter- these alternative investments as a useful tool in their portfolios so that they can be more resilient against macro pressures. Okay, okay. So is this a good time to invest in private markets and alternative assets? Uh, so we at SX would like to think it's always a good time <laughs> to invest in private markets and alternatives. It's always a good time because mm-hmm. it's always a good time to have the right tools in your hand to be able to construct a well-balanced and resilient portfolio. Mm-hmm. And we don't think it's so much about timing the market, but having the right time in the right market. Okay. And these are still very pressured times in the macro environment. We're still looking at all the pressures that we spoke of before, the inflation, the recession pressures, other pressures of energy prices. And all this is still contributing to a lot of volatility in the public markets. And so mm-hmm. even more so, private markets remain a very attractive addition to your portfolio construction. We're still not seeing the double-digit public market growth that we did in the past. So there's less of a pressure to keep all of your allocation in public markets. And yeah, it's a good time. It's always a good time to have these tools at hand to have a well-constructed, well-rounded portfolio, which would include an allocation into private and alternatives. So how can retail investors then tap into private markets as well? Okay, so I'm going to get a little bit technical mm-hmm. about what we mean by retail investors. Yeah. So there are um, so within the retail investment space, uh, retail investor space, we have mm-hmm. retail, uh, which is I guess your mom and pop. But the MES has defined a class of retail investors, which are what we call retail plus. Mm-hmm. or the accredited investor space. Okay. So these accredited investors are investors that have 300000 in annual income or $1 million in net worth. Mm-hmm. And the MES has put in place like guidelines for investor protection. 
So for the private market investments, most of these are available mostly to the accredited investor space. Mm -hmm. There is a small availability for retail investors at large, but most of the, you know, what we've spoken about with fractional private invest private investment invest fractional private investments mm-hmm. are available to the accredited investors, which are individuals which have met the kind of accreditation which I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the future there may be more opportunities for retail offering. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope that that will be the case as the market matures and evolves and there's like even more information about how uh, how investors should look at these private markets. Okay, okay. So what are these um, asset tokenization and how do they work and what benefits does it bring for, you know, investment portfolios? Okay, so I'm also going to get a little bit technical mm-hmm. on this. So I think there's been a little bit of confusion in the way that people use the word tokenization mm. when actually what they mean is fractionalization. So fractionalization in a simple form is just meaning bringing down the minimum denominations of a large asset into smaller fractions so that everyone can have a fractional piece of mm-hmm. investment into a asset or a, a, an investment. Um, and we, we're already doing that when we buy a share in a company. When you buy a share in a company, you have a fractional investment into a company. Mm. And tokenization is really just a fancy word for saying we're using blockchain technology to efficiently uh, effect and digitally record the ownership rights, uh, the, uh, the fractional ownership rights in an asset or a security or an investment. So, uh, so that's that's what that's how fractionalizing works. Uh, which you know sometimes people use the word tokenization to describe. It's really just breaking down a large investment into smaller pieces so that uh, it can be available to a larger pool of investors. And investors can also allocate different pots mm. to different fractional investments. And the benefit that this brings is really to encourage a wider range of products that can be available to your allocation in your portfolio. And it just uh, encourages uh, more products that can be put into your portfolio for more resilience and more diversification. Okay, okay. So what are the more popular types of institutional-grade investment opportunities today that were, you know, previously unavailable? So I... Uh, with the institutional grade opportunities, what we're referring to would be these in- in- investments, which traditionally were only available to in- institutionals because they were too large mm-hmm. to be invested by uh, any individual. So, as I've described before, like the fractionalize- fractionalizing of these investments now avail um, large assets to be fractionally invested in by a larger pool of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this has application across the board. And we're seeing that with real estate, we're also seeing that with other real-world assets. So art is becoming something that uh, is increasing in popularity for fractional investment. Mm-hmm. We're also seeing that uh, with some like interesting products like supercars or wine portfolios, risky. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is also being used in like the more traditional asset classes like private credit, private equity, private funds. But yeah, we're, we're seeing a, a larger range of products and I think the, the interesting ones are really the ones with the real world assets, um, the real estate, wine, art, because these are also interesting in this kind of inflationary mm-hmm. uh, environment that we have right now. Okay, okay. So what are some of the risks or challenges that investors should consider when investing in these kind of alternative assets and how can they avoid these pitfalls? So I guess there's always risk in every investment, Mm -hmm. uh, be it public or private or alternatives. And one of the ways to mitigate the risk is really to have very good data of what you're investing in. Mm -hmm. So traditionally, there's not been that 
a great level of transparency of data for private and alternatives. And I guess that's where platforms like ours come and we are hoping to bridge that gap by providing more access to data and uh, information about these private and alternatives so that we're giving investors more information so that they can make more reasoned and um, transparent decisions about what they invest in, especially mm-hmm. in these pri- um, al- private and alternatives. Um, we work with ecosystem partners as well to leverage technology so that this data layer can be more transparent. We leverage blockchain to make sure that this data is also recorded on the blockchain. And eventually what we hope is that this uh, private and alternative market space will be able to build more trust in the system and trust in the market mm-hmm. with this data layer so that um, the market can accurately value and price these assets and there will eventually lead to more liquidity in an asset class that has traditionally been illiquid and uh, untransparent. I see, I see. And before we let you go, what are the latest industry trends in the digital asset space and what should we be watching out for the second half of 2023? Okay, so I think there have been varying views in media reports as mm-hmm. to whether private market investments is really something that you know accredited investors or individuals can do or something that you should only really be playing in if you have like 10 million, at least 10 million networks. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, you might risk uh, your retirement your entire uh, pool of assets. We take a very different view of aspects and like with the partners that we work with, we believe that this is a space that is poised to grow simply because there are more assets that will be coming on the market as issuers themselves mm-hmm. realize that this accredited investor space is a, is a very interesting distribution pool for themselves. And at platforms like ours, what we want to do is just bring a breadth of products to this space, mm-hmm. uh, bring a breadth of curated, good quality products so that the investing um, uh, community has a wide range of tools. Mm. Uh, we'll be seeing more um, asset classes come on. We'll be seeing more products come on. Uh, and then I think uh, as this kind of market matures, we'll be seeing more data and more transparency in this market in general so that you know investors will be more informed and you know well-equipped to kind of invest into this market. And this will hopefully increase the maturity of this market as well. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure to be able to join you on this. Thank you. We've been speaking with Rachel Chia, who's the acting CEO of SDAX. So stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.